There goes Sophia. Her dad's sitting right there. She's 15 years old. Uh, it's funny. I baptized her when she was like six months. What, a year? I don't know. A long, long time. She's been around kids since she's a little baby, and now she's a grown woman singing Run, Run, Rudolph. A little W-N-I-C Christmas music for you. Huh? Did they start their Christmas music in July? Yeah, they do. It's like forever. Anyway, um, let me ask you this. Christmas is coming next weekend. How many, just want to get a show of hands, how many people already all done Christmas shopping? I don't like you people. Okay. No, I'm kidding. I'm not even close. And uh, my wife's out there shopping right now because she was here this morning. Anyway, I'm Dave Wilson. Glad you're here tonight. And uh, as you know, Christmas is next weekend, uh, next Monday. But we start Christmas services Friday night. We have two. Saturday night, we have two. And then Sunday, we have six. And let me, let me see if anybody knows. Of all of our eight Kensington campuses, how many Christmas services do you think we're doing? I think it's 51 all over this place. So it's going to be a, a, a crazy weekend. And if you saw the, the title of the thing, it's called December 25th, Just Another Day. You may be like, what in the world does that mean? This promo will give you an idea of what it means. Here's what it means. Christmas, the most wonderful time of the year, right? Wonderful? Not sure I would always describe it that way. Shopping, busyness, your dreaded office Christmas party, stress, getting your house ready for family, cramming for finals, spending too much money, long hours at the office, year-end number crunching, tension in your relationships. If I'm honest, I have to say that there have been moments in the midst of the craziness around Christmas that I have wondered if life would be easier if Christmas had just never come. Would our lives just be simpler and more peaceful without all the insanity of this season? What if December 25th was just another day? This year, we're going to take you on a journey where we look at a world where Christmas never came. What if Jesus Christ was never born? What would be different? We will look at the impact of the life of Jesus Christ and to how he changed human history. You will be amazed at what we uncover. You won't want to miss Christmas at Kensington this year. The team has been working hard on designing a service with your friends and neighbors in mind. There'll be music, video, drama, lighting, and a beautiful response moment that really captures this idea of not only Jesus not being born, but also gives us moments to celebrate the fact that he was born. Don't miss the laughter, the truth, and the wonder of Christmas. Bring a friend, bring a neighbor, grab your tickets as we explore a world in which December 25th is anything but just another day. All right, so that, that should give you a rundown. You know, it's interesting, the, the third service we did today at 1215 when Cliff was going through all the things that happened at Christmas, you know, the long lines, and there was a guy in the front row who was adding things like, yeah, what about parking spots? Yeah, what about your relatives coming in? What about the post office? I'm like, whoa. Anyway, that can be the craziness of Christmas, and yet this service, we just did a dress rehearsal Thursday night, is really a powerful service. In fact, the video that the video team made just uh, for the service itself is life-changing. Trust me, you're going to be blown away by it, and I hope we send it all over the internet so people can understand the impact of Jesus' life. So uh, here's the thing. Do not come alone, right? I've got in my back pocket, I've been carrying these around for 10 days, two weeks now. These are December 25th tickets for people to get, uh, or invites for people to get their tickets. And by the way, 
by 8 p.m. tonight, the price goes up to $500. So if you get your tickets, no, I'm kidding. It's free. But we do that. If you're new here and you're like, what, what do you do tickets for? So you'll have a seat because a lot of these services sell out. And these invites are to give to somebody. They have every campus, every time on there. You can go onto the app and get your tickets. I gave 28 of these out uh, Friday night. So I'm leading right now. You're way behind me in how many invites you've given out. I was actually speaking to a group of guys Friday night, and I gave them all, everybody in that room, uh, an invite to come because they're going to be, all those guys are going to be gone on the weekend. So I said, Friday night we have a service. You'll still be in town. Come to our 5 or our 7 o'clock. That was the Detroit Lions. I gave it to them at our chapel service. They're playing the Bengals next weekend in Cincinnati. Hey, by the way, do you know we won yesterday? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. We're almost in the playoffs. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't say that out loud yet. Um, anyway, so here's all I'm saying, and I mean this. Eight out of ten people that were questioned and asked this said this. If I was invited to a church holiday service, I would go. Eight out of ten people. Your neighbors say that. So if you invite them, just give them a simple invite. Invite them to come to Kensington for any one of these services. Chances are they'll come. Now, if you remember this, if you've listened to testimonies here or baptism weekends where people tell their story, how God changed their life, I don't know if you've noticed this, but almost half of the time I hear somebody say, yeah, the first time I came to Kensington was a Christmas service. Or an Easter service. How'd they get there? Somebody invited them. They came. God started this. So he's already been working, but did an amazing miracle. You can be a part of that. So trust me on this. Please don't just come by yourself. Invite somebody, a coworker, family member, next door neighbor, and watch God do something miraculous. It's pretty cool. And then the last thing, you don't need to do anything with this, but just put it in your, in your radar, is January 19th and 20th, that's a Friday night and a Saturday morning, we have another leadership gathering, which is where we gather leaders and volunteers here that, that want to be fueled up and filled up to go into the next year. It's usually a thousand people or so show up. This, this time we're going to talk about being emotionally healthy, which a leader has to do to be able to lead, and you don't want to miss that. So just put that on your radar, January 19th and 20th. Okay, here's what I'm going to have you do. I'm going to have you stand up and give somebody a high five, but here's what I want you to do. There's a lot of seats up here. Trust me, Cody's preaching tonight. My son, he's going to get a little fiery, and he needs people right here, all right, so you can get spit on by him, all right? So when we say hi to somebody, come on up in the crunch. Come on up and make us feel uh, a little warmer up here in the front, all right? Go ahead and stand up. Say hi to somebody. Give him a high five. You know, I just got to say, I like you people that moved up here. Seriously, you say something like that, most people just look at you like, I'm not moving, but you guys came up. You good? You don't have to cheer the whole time, but that's, that's good. Hey, um, many of you know this, maybe you don't. This is the final week of a series we've been doing called The Heart of Christmas, where for the last two weeks and now the third week, we've been looking at three words, three concepts that are tied to Jesus. They're really words that come along with Christmas, too. Two weeks ago, we looked at the word joy. Last week, the word peace, and today, anybody know? It's love. Love, peace, and joy are the three words you think of in Christmas and the birth of Jesus. So we're going to look at what love looks like, and, and actually, all three weeks, including today, we've connected those stories to one of our global partners. Today is really exciting because we connected it to Jaya Sankar and our <clears throat> global partner in India, and so our video team, 
who, believe it or not, has done 39 videos in November and December. They're an incredible team. They've created these short little stories to give you an idea of what God's love looks like when you give it away across the world. And so this, this video will capture, I mean, I think it's so beautiful to see what God's doing, not only here, but just importantly, through Kensington to impact the world. And as you watch this, Steve Andrews is going to start this at the beginning, and you'll hear him say this, and I just want to reiterate this. As you watch this, connect these dots. You being here, you serving here, and you giving financially at Kensington create stories like this. This isn't apart from you. You are a part of this story because your giving and my giving allow things like this to happen. So watch this. When I landed in India in the year 2000, nothing prepared me for what I was to see. The overwhelming crush of people, the unbelievable needs apparent visually everywhere. And my first and instant response was a feeling of hopelessness. Like, what could anybody do to overcome the needs that are so present here? And then I began to see what Jaya and the team at Christ Evangelical Mission have been doing for decades. You know, we've helped them plant 500 churches. We've been a part of beautiful ministries of caring for orphans and for the homeless. And in recent years, the compassion ministry of bringing in old people who had basically been left to die to come and live in what they would consider paradise. It's a picture of love overwhelming hopelessness. And as I invite you to give to Kensington here, to make a year-end Christmas gift, here's what I want you to know. This would not be possible without your participation. This is your story. When we give, when we give sacrificially, when we intentionally say, we're going to invest our lives in something that breaks the walls of hopelessness down, this is one of those things that changes everything. A few years ago, I got to go back and see again of what our giving does. Our giving is changing the world. Not just one person at a time, not just one child at a time, but one old person at a time. Old people who consider themselves as having no value now know that in Jesus Christ, they're of infinite worth. I want to thank you again because with you, we get to share Christ's love with the world. And we know that Christ's love changes everything. most populated country in the world. It's home to more than 1.3 billion people. With an average income of only $616 a year, many people live in poverty, facing a growing income inequality gap and little to no opportunity. Families often find children and the elderly as too much of a burden to care for. Abandoned and on the streets, they won't survive unless someone intervenes. At the center of all Indian culture is Hinduism, the world's oldest religion. With over one billion practicing Hindus and a rigid four-tier caste system, 
Religion is inseparable from all aspects of daily life in India. There are many gods, there are 30 million gods. So people have their own choices to choose their own god. Whatever god I like, I buy from Walmart and keep it. If I don't want, I throw away that god, go to Walmart, get a new god. So how does one improve their status in Hinduism? There is a belief that they go to a temple, then they offer some money and they think their bad karma gone, their sins are forgiven. Mostly Hinduism believe in karma, so whatever the a person facing and experiencing their poverty, malnutrition, maybe physical infirmity, if we have a bad karma, we have to experience that. There is no remedy for that. You have to face it because you did bad karma in a previous life or this life. Jaya Sankar is the leader of Christ Evangelical Mission in the city of Dalaswarm. Known as CEM, his ministry is addressing a multitude of needs in the community by housing over 300 orphans, constructing and running a hospital, and operating a primary school, among others. One of CEM's fastest-growing ministries is the Agape Home, a care facility for the elderly. Along with Naveen Kamari, Jaya is working to get Dallas Farm's elderly community off the streets and cared for. Many places in India, children are abandoned and elderly people are abandoned. And some people don't have food, don't have clothes. Naveen, when these, when these older people are put out on the streets, what do you think they're feeling? So, they feel um, very sadly we are just a dust in our relatives' eyesight. There is no more future. Some people go to suicide also. It's very heartbreaking, terrible situation. They spent all their life to bring up their children for their welfare, they pour out all their life. But the children grown up, they forget what their parents did for them. Just kick their parents away from, from their house. Just out on the street, you're on your own? Yes. Sometimes maybe a son will take the mother on the car or the bus somewhere. Mom, sit here, I'll come back, they never show up. And sometimes the children lock their house, mom, you sit here, just we come back. They go to somewhere, maybe two weeks, three weeks, they may not come to open the door. What she does, he does, just sitting in front of the locked door, having nothing to eat, terrible life. Hearing stories of how the elderly of India can be thrown out on the streets by their own families and left to fend for themselves is truly disturbing. But thankfully there is hope. There are people like Jaya, Naveen, and a whole group of others that are being the hands and feet of Jesus to the elderly community in Dallaswarm. So you actually go out and 
look for people that have been abandoned on the streets and you bring them right then in their home? Yes. So why do you guys do that? Why, why do you feel compelled to love that group? So in Matthew 25, Jesus says, When I sick, you came. When I uh, hungry, you came. When I thirsty, you came. Yes. Uh, if we do that, it will be glory to Jesus. So you believe, you're doing it because you believe that's what Jesus would do? Yes. When we bring them to home, the more loving person is here. His name is Jesus. He loves you. He did not abandon you like your family. The Agape home is quite a contrast from the busy streets of India. Here, the residents are cared for and loved. The term Agape is a Greek word meaning unconditional or sacrificial love. The old people cannot give anything to uh, whom care for them. So it's like uh, Jesus loves everyone, but he does not uh, uh, think about what, he, what they give back. So he only put on his life with sacrificial love. So that's why Agape is only giving, not expect anything from them. We not only speak, but we show our love in action. This is talking and with deeds, helping the people. Can you tell us a little bit about your daughter Deepthi's connection to going over there and her heart for those people? And she's grown up maybe around eight, nine years old, she independently visited the Agape home and sit with them, talking to them, what's your, what's your name, how is your health, are you okay today, and do you have any need? Some people say, yeah, I don't have pest. You don't have pest? Okay, wait. When I ask her, why Deepthi, you are doing all these things? Daddy, when I see these elderly people, I don't know. I'm getting some kind, of, some kind of compassion. I don't know why. I think that God is preparing a second line leaders to look after that elderly home. When I came here, God opened the more doors and more places to serve him uh, in the children, in the elder people, in the community. So all these things I'm doing for the God's glory because he gave me a life to me. So he filled my, he filled my heart with uh, his grace and love. Jesus came 
command two main commandments love god and love people so through the cm it will be done What is true love and where do you go to find it? Jesus said that greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. In the book of Romans, Paul reminds us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. In the writings of John, we discover that God showed his love for us by giving his one and only son, and by this we know love. that he laid down his life for us as we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers it's clear that the kind of love god is calling us to is agape love sacrificial love love without expectation the highest form of love just as jesus laid down his life for us he is calling us to lay down our lives for one another true love costs us something just like our friends jaya navin and deepthi have shown us love's greatest concern is always someone else jesus tells us that the way people will know that we are his followers is by how we love each other. So let's follow in the footsteps of both Jesus and our friends in India and truly learn to love our neighbor. Yeah, it's a powerful powerful picture of a community of people who used to think about themselves only who now think about others. You know what that's a definition of? I think the church, the community of God. It's people that used to live only for ourselves, but then we fall in love with God, who we fall in love with him because we realize he loves us and then we think that love is just for us and then we realize, oh my gosh, he transforms us so that we can what? Take that to the rest of the world and see them be transformed as well. I tell you 28 years ago when we started Kensington, I didn't have a vision that big. My vision was and people are going to come here and they're going to find Jesus and they're going to be changed. Never thinking, oh, the result of that change isn't just going to be for us, it's going to be that God's going to use us to be change agents to change the world. I mean, I don't know if you understand this when you watch that, but you know, in India with Jaya, there is no hospital, there is no school, there is no Christ evangelical mission. without Kensington partnering with Jaya. That's the beauty of what happened there. And here's the the beauty of what you may not even understand. You are a part of that. You may never go there, but every time you serve here or you give financially here, that goes into what we call our general budget and out of that general budget things like that happen. I mean, I don't know if that blows you away, but it should be like, "Oh my gosh, I did that." Yeah, you did that. Every time you give a dollar here you did that. And and the things we're doing locally in Pontiac and around Detroit and in the United States. You're a part of that. I mean, I could go on. In fact, uh, a couple of weeks ago we started passing this out. You got it again last week uh, our our year-end Christmas gift. What is it? It's a brochure that I hope you looked at. 
And if you didn't, I'm going to tell you, you got to do it this week. Because if you're anything like me, you get this thing and you sit in the service, you go, wow, that's really cool. And then you throw it in your car and it's still there. <laughs> or maybe it's laying on a table at home and, you know, you wanted to look at it, but you haven't looked at it. I'm telling you, take five minutes this week and just go through this. You will be blown away as I am blown away at what God has not so much done here, but done through here to the world. It is an absolutely astounding document. Because if, if all we ever did was what you just watched, I'd feel like, wow, Kensington's been a, a church that's had an impact. But that's just one part of literally thousands of things that Kensington's been a part of. We've, we've impacted this past year almost half a million people. I bet you didn't even know that. Over 100,000 people have come just to weekend services. And when God transforms their lives like he's even going to do tonight, they then walk out of here and say, I want to be part of loving others just as much as God has loved me. And so with that in your mind, and we're going to take our offering right now, I just want to say this, with no apologies, I don't feel ashamed at all to say, you know what, give to this. Write a a year-end check to this. Why? Because we need it? No, because you want to give your money the things that matter. I get emails almost every day from charities all around the world that want my money. I'm like, why would I give to that when I could give to this and make an impact? And so here's the deal. As we take the offering, you don't have to write a check tonight. This is a year-end gift type thing. So you got two weeks to think about this, pray about this, talk about this. But I would encourage you to think about your year-end giving that something that is this powerful is worth it. And and we're not twisting anybody's arms. This is between you and God, but we did want you to consider this as we go into the year end because the engine that drives Kensington, a lot of that comes in in the year end. Okay, as we take the offering, Cody's going to come up here and start his message. And he told me I have to be up here for the beginning of it. And it's pretty interesting. You know, Jaya said in that video, he said, you know, as his daughter was talking about taking care of the elderly, he says, I see a second line of leaders they're going to take this thing to the next level. And so as Cody walks up here, that's the same thing I think. I feel great about the future of the church and the future of God's mission because of people like Cody and other young leaders around this place. I, I call him like Wilson 2.0. You know, he's like the better version of me. Well, what are you doing? <laughs> oh Standing God. right beside me? I, I appreciate scares that. Me. I, I mean, he's got that. hair. Jeez, he man. looks good. He's young and... You know, anyway, so I... You guys pray that my hair stays on my head. <laughs> Why, I, is, this, is this like a terrible I, thing? I'm worried. <laughs> I'm going to be honest about it. It's the night service. Let's be real about it. You guys need to be praying for my hair. I didn't even know that. <laughs> Are you really? Yeah, let's not talk about it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> There's things you can now do that I could never do, so... Yeah, that's funny. Okay, well, let's... Right. Since you're up here... No, I, I, I did want to say, like, we've seen that video four times, and, I mean, even before the service, and obviously the video team at Kensington is unbelievable, but what's amazing watching that video, and you guys know it, as they talk about agape love, which means this unconditional, sacrificial love, that is really the demonstration of the way Jesus loves, and even they say that in the video, the only reason we love like this is because this is the way Jesus loved... And what's beautiful about that, and it's also very unique, is that is not what love looks like on this earth. It is very rare to find people that love like that, not expecting anything in return. And I thought really to illustrate that, I, I have some props up here, and this is, this is, uh, these are my props. But I, I wrote on this, you guys can't see it, I said love tank. This is, this is love my tank. love tank. And, and I really believe that you were created by God to be loved by him. And within all of us is there is this desire, this need that was knit inside of us because we are made in the image of God that needs to be loved. And so, so 
in the world, I think a lot of times what love looks like when we don't have a relationship with God is it's strictly horizontal. What do I mean by that? I think it looks like this. Say I'm in relationship with my dad and, and what these are, these are the, uh, their Christmas theme, but I call these love tokens. So I got, I got love tokens and I got my love tank. And this is what I do. Hey dad, I really, I thought you did a great job at that greeting today, man. That was awesome. And I get, I, you know, Thanks. I'm giving him a little bit of love. That feels good. <laughs> He's getting his love you tank filled. Fill up my love so tank some more. Nice Keep going. Now, now, oh, hey, uh, I like your boots. <laughs> now, you can say something back to me. Well, I like your shirt, and I'm glad you <laughs> still have hair. Our compliments and are so superficial. You look really good right now, like See, I used to. But you guys know this is, this is how love works. I call that phase the dating phase. You go out, oh, you look awesome. Oh, you're cool too. Let's get married. That's what dating looks like, right? But you guys know the people that have been married for a little bit. Sometimes it's not quite that even. And what happens, and maybe some of you, you have a family coming in for Christmas, right? And you're hosting a bunch of people. And I know the moms in this place, they're going to be cooking breakfast. They're going to be shopping. They're going to be wrapping gifts. And then the guys are going to come home because they're at work and they're bringing home the money. It might look like that. That's not how the dynamic yeah, has to be. There's a lot of moms working and bringing I home know, the money I was too. I say that. Right? But you guys know everyone comes home and it's like what have you been doing i've been doing everything and this is what happens and then you're pouring yourself out and like i've been cleaning the bathrooms because guests are coming on time i cook breakfast for everyone i've been slaving away and i've been doing all this and then and then he gets home and says well what do you think i've been doing and you know what happens i feel good i got no love tokens And what happens is we get to this place where we're so empty. And then what starts to happen is I look at my, this person that has been vacuuming and sucking away this love that I've been giving and giving, but getting nothing in return. And I start to resent them. I don't like him anymore. How come you never noticed me? Why didn't you appreciate what I did for me? Why are you doing that for me? Right? And I, this is what I said in the other service. I really believe we always go where we are loved. If you want to know where someone's at, it's probably where they feel approved, where they feel comforted, and where they feel accepted. That's why I believe what happens when you're empty like this, someone else comes into your life and says, hey man, you're doing pretty good. You're awesome. Maybe it's another, you know, someone of the opposite sex, even when you're married, and it feels like, man, they love me in a way you never love me. <laughs> Right? Or maybe you're in high school and it feels like, man, my parents don't like me. I hate being home. But my friends that I party with and I smoke with, these people love me. And suddenly we're drawn to where we feel loved because we are actually created to be loved. And I think what's beautiful about that video is what's being illustrated is when we enter into relationship with God and understand that the love he has for us, we get into this whole new reality where he becomes the source of our love. And when he becomes the source of our love, it doesn't matter what I'm getting from my my friends or my fellow brother or other people in my family. I can live in this place and position my life under the love of God where I can be getting nothing in return from someone else. But I'm so filled with the love of the Father and Jesus and his Holy Spirit that I have unlimited just accessibility to pour out. So this uh, this is the God tank. You guys didn't even know this thing was back here. I call it the God Arrayed Tank. God Arrayed? It's like Gatorade. Did anyone? No? <laughs> okay. That guy, that guy but like what happens, you, can, you can pick this up. You can pick this up. Is This is what I believe happens. And you see this demonstrated in the scriptures and in life. It's like 500 pounds. And so, so what happens is we position our life right here, right? This thing goes way too slow. I'm just going to warn you guys. But God, as we position our lives under his love and he becomes the source of our love, we have unlimited access to the love of God that never runs dry. It says in John 7 that streams of living water will flow from within.
within us as we confess him, Lord, that his spirit will come and abide in us. And what happens is what can, we can do is we can pour into other people's love tanks. And even if we go empty, I don't have to get anything in return because my source is God and I am being continually filled by his love, renewed in his love. As I position my life under the love of God, I can pour out, overflow, and overwhelm the world around me because the love I am receiving by positioning my life under God. Amen. I don't need to hold this all day, right? Yeah, you can go. You want to, you want to take that over? Jeez. Oh, oh yeah, I'll take it with me. goodness. Hey, that was good. that was a good illustration. Oh, I appreciate it. Appreciate that it. Works. I feel right. my love tank. You got it? All right. You know, and I know that illustration, um, I'm going to continue talking through that, but I know it's real because I know, I, I shared this this morning, but my love tank felt really low this morning. I woke up at 6 a.m. I had to be here at 7. I had to preach the three services that I was doing. And the reason I woke up at 6 a.m. is because I knew I would have nothing to give if I didn't spend time with God before I got here today. And, and I think it's a kingdom principle that we only can give what we have received. I think we get that financially. Like, if I don't have any money in the bank account, I have nothing to give anyone else. But as God deposits into our life and he fills us with his love, we then have something to give the world because we have positioned our life under the love of God. And so for me, waking up at 6 a.m., I was got out of bed, and I'm like, I want to hit snooze, but I know I need to spend time with God. I got to preach today, right? And I remember I, I went before the Lord... And I said that, God, I don't really feel like preaching today. And I turned on some music and I started praying to God and I started worshiping and adoring the beauty of who he is and thanking him for the grace and the gift that he's given me through life. And it was amazing by the end of those 40 minutes how filled up I was. And it was amazing to me. I just felt like he was reminding me of the people coming, even you guys, of how much he loved you and how much he wanted to pour out his love on your life and how much he sees you and adores you. And it was amazing as I positioned my life under God. And then I even did these three services this morning. And I'll tell you what, I was totally exhausted. And so I went home and I spent more time with God and I positioned my life back under him. I watched some Francis Chan sermon. I worshiped and I prayed some more. Why? Because I know if he doesn't fill me up, then I have nothing to give, that I cannot love in the way God calls us to love unless I am being continually filled. I love what it says in, in John three sixteen. This is what it says. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I think God sets this precedence where he, he shows this is what love looks like. What does it say? God so loved that he gave. And when you are loved, you give yourself away to demonstrate that love. And I think it's beautiful because as we get away from the horizontal way that the world does love and we start going vertical and receiving the love of God and he becomes the source of all things in our life, then we are free to horizontally extend the love of God to the world around us. And this is what I would say, that when we start to love like that, right, it's not about what I get, it's about what I can give. And what I am giving away is completely not dependent on what I'm getting from the people around me. And it's beautiful what starts to happen, I believe, as we start to engage with God, as we start to receive from him. It's not about me saying, today I am going to love more. It's not about working up this strength, but it says as we abide in him, what we will bear much fruit. 
And from abiding in God and being steadfast in relationship, and what starts to happen? Love just starts to happen. When you hang around the person who is love, your life starts to look like love. It's just the natural overflow of being in relationship with a loving God. You look at this video. Some of you guys maybe know Jaya's story a little bit of what's going on in India. I remember reading his story. I met him. I didn't even know who he was. And I read his story in this book called Imagine Heaven. We taught on that a couple of years ago. And some of you guys know that Jaya's story is the story of a man who is seeking for God. And he couldn't find God anywhere in Hinduism. And it made him depressed. And he was dealing with hopelessness and even depression and suicide. And he finally got to the end of his life. I remember reading about this. It's an unbelievable story. He went on a railroad track and decided, I'm going to let the train come and end my life. And as he was on the train track, he saw a light appear to him that I think at first, I think I remember reading that he thought it was the the train. And the light, he actually had an open vision, and Jesus appeared to him in the flesh and came to him and saved him literally from the railroad tracks. And what happened from that moment? He found God and was so captivated, so overwhelmed by his love over in India that what we see on that video, the orphans being cared for, thousands and thousands of churches and people finding Christ, these elderly people that are being looked after, people that are being loved, that can give nothing in return and are ostracized in society, that their ministry is going and revealing the love of a God who is our perfect father, who wants the world to know that they are loved. Why? Because he had an encounter. He had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And as he was filled with that love vertically, love started coming out of him everywhere horizontally. I love what it says in 1 Corinthians 4, 12 through 13. This has been like a life verse for me this year. I wrote it down. Every time I read my Bible, I open up this little note card and I read this verse. And this is what it says. It's Paul talking about as being an apostle of Christ or servants of Jesus, what their lifestyle should look like. This is what it says. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. That is not love the way the world loves. Let me tell you how the world loves. People were mean to me. I was mean to them. They talked poorly about me. I talked poorly about them. They hit me, I hit them back, right? That is how the world works. But what Paul is demonstrating right here, he's saying, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we get to participate in a lifestyle that looks like Jesus. And what does that mean? That means no matter how anyone treats me, because I am in relationship, they are always met by love. And it's easy for me to say that. I know for me, if I go two days without positioning myself under God, I just can tell. I'm like snappy. I'm short. My whole life is falling apart. And it's amazing what happens that everything around me starts to change when God just starts to change with what's in me. Right? Because I think we're so used to what I do. This, this is, these are my conversations with God in the car. I'll leave a BD and I won't like someone. I'll be like, God, I don't like that person. Like, I don't even what You know, I'm like, I don't even like this person. I feel like God continually says, well, I love them and died for them. So you better figure it out. Like, we're not allowed to not love people. It's a violation of the gospel. And so, instead of me saying, God, you need to change them. There's something so powerful, like, God, change me. 
Fill me with your love that I can love that person right where they're at. And maybe by me loving that person right where they're at, that's how transformation is going to happen. That you'd fill me so much with your love that even no matter if it's hate or it's persecution or it's slander, whenever someone interacts with us as believers of Jesus, they would be met by love. You have been loved by God to show the love of God. You have been shown grace by God to show the grace of God. You have been forgiven by God to forgive others by the grace of God. And this is how we participate and show the love of Jesus, agape, unconditional, costly love. Now I would ask that question tonight for you in this room. How are you loving I think so often we think maturity in the body of Christ is like memorizing more scriptures, which we should be doing, reading the word, praying more. But if all those things happen and you grow and decrease in love, I'd really start to question if you're hanging really, truly abiding in the love of Christ. Because maturity, the longer you spend with God, I really believe the better you should be at loving the world around you. And I think, I think this is demonstrated so well. There's, there's a few scriptures I want to read, but I heard this from a pastor I love. His name is Ben Fitzgerald, and he talks about there's something so beautiful, and I never thought about this. When Jesus went to the cross, you guys know, he's slandered, he's beaten, he's mocked, he's abused. And he goes to the cross. What drove him there? His love for humanity, that by his stripes we are healed. And by confessing that he is Lord, he saves us and forgives us of our sins. And we are born again into a new relationship with God. And so he's compelled to the cross. He's obedient until death. But he doesn't hate the people that kill him. Isn't it so amazing that as he's on the cross, if you guys have read the story, what does he say? The people that put him there, he says, Father, forgive them for what they do. It's one thing to die for your faith. It's another thing to love the people who put you on the cross. Right? I, I thought of this. It says in the scriptures, he was obedient until death. And what that means, he was obedient to love until death. No matter what was thrown at him, he loved. And I think it's easy to look at that and be like, well, that was Jesus. He is the son of God. Right? But then you go on to Acts 7 and you look at this man named Stephen who was one of the first followers of Jesus and the first martyr of the Christian church. And in Acts 7, he's preaching the gospel of Jesus and the religious people are so offended by what he is saying. They take him outside of the temple courts and they start throwing stones at his face and he dies being stoned. But some of you guys know if you read the story, as he's being stoned, as he is being killed, he says, Father, forgive them. He is loving the people that are even killing them. I think so often we feel so justified in our offense we feel like, well, you should be treating me this way. And if you don't treat me this way, then I am not going to treat you kindly. But what the gospel demonstrates, what Jesus demonstrates in the early church in Acts, what it demonstrates is as followers of Jesus, what is he calling us into? He's calling us this place of deep abiding relationship where we so love the world around us. It doesn't matter how they treat us, but we are so filled with the love of God that they receive love every time they interact with us. 1 John 3, 16 through 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. 
If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother and sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. You know, about over a year ago, Jenna and I, um, some of you guys know we're out at Bethel Church at their ministry school. And uh, right before we got out there, we, we, every week we'd go out and serve the city in some way. And ours was we would go evangelize and tell people about who Jesus was and try to serve the community in any way we could on Thursday nights. But with our whole class, before we went out and did that, 1,400 of us, they made us go on a prayer walk within the city. And some of you guys, if you've ever been to Reading, you probably haven't because it's in the middle of nowhere. But if you have, you know it's like very drug infested. I think on the street we lived on, there's like two drug houses. There's tons of homeless people, just some sketchy people, kind of like the elderly people in this video. There's a lot of people where you're like, yeah, I don't really know about these people. And it was interesting, we went on this prayer walk, and as we were going on this prayer walk, what are we doing? We're positioning ourselves under the love of God because the purpose of that was get God's heartbeat, get his vision for the city and the people that live here. And after about an hour of that, we weren't supposed to talk to anyone, but we're supposed to pray over the city. And about an hour after that, I'm hanging out with my group, and I start praying in my head, and I serve the God that hears prayers. It's amazing. He hears everything you say and everything you pray, and he loves you. And I'm praying, and I have this thought for the last 30 minutes. God, I want to talk to someone. I'm done just walking. I need to talk to someone. So I'm not allowed to go talk to someone, but can you send someone to me? And so immediately, right, I have these eyes that, like, if anyone came to me in that moment, I'd be like, that's the guy. And so we get done praying, and we go to the grocery store, and we're hanging out, waiting for the rest of our group to get together, because we're, like, in 20 or so groups or whatever. And so we're waiting, and this guy comes, and this dude is sketch looking, right? He's got like buzzed hair, but he's sweating. He has this flannel on his jeans and denim. He has these cowboy boots and one of his cowboy boots, the heels off. So he comes up kind of like limping. And I'm like, man, this dude, this dude is hurting. And he's the kind of guy where normally I'd probably just be like, yeah, I don't know if I want to talk to that guy. But because of what I was praying, I was like, this is the guy, right? This is the guy I was prayed for. So I go up to him. I go, hey man, how are you doing? And you guys know most of the time when you ask someone that, especially that you don't know, I'm good, man. What's and they just walk away. But something happened is he was honest. And we call honesty confession. And when someone starts confessing, Jamie Winship says this, when someone's confessing, I become their priest. And he says to me, he goes to me, you know what, man? Uh, I just had like a really bad day and his head's down. I'm really struggling. And I'm like, what does love do, right? What does love do in that situation? So I remember saying to him, well, what do you need, man? How can I serve you? And he goes, well, I'm really thirsty. So I go into the grocery store, looking around. I say, should I get water? No going above and beyond. I'll get him Powerade. He needs these electrolytes to get hydrated, right? And so I bring him out. I bought him two. I got him with the double portion. You know, I'm like, here's two. Because I wanted to serve him over the top, extravagant, whatever, right? And I remember he's like, he just starts down it. And the rest of our group starts talking to him. And we just say, I just say to him, dude, can we just pray for you? What's going on? He's like, yeah, you can pray for me. Guy starts praying for him. One of the buddies in the group. He starts praying. We find out this guy was a drug dealer. He had walked up the road. That's why he was all sweaty because he had just gotten out of jail about 40 minutes ago. He got out of jail. He walked up this hill and at the top of the hill was us. And so my buddy starts praying for him. This guy that, believe me, no one in society really cares much about and where he's at is totally his fault and he deserves what he got. And he starts praying for him and you, this dude just starts sobbing, just sobbing. Like something's going on. The love of God. I believe this guy's soul was so empty. That love tank so empty. It's like a desert in there. 
Maybe some of you guys coming in here today, it's like a desert in your soul. We start praying for him, and the love of God, the water of God starts crashing over him. He starts crying. This guy prays for him. I pray for him. He's just sobbing and sobbing. We get done praying for him. Hey, man, what do you need? How can we love you more? Well, I got to walk about another mile to get where I'm going. Can you give me a ride? He gets in my car. We give him a ride. Hey, man, what else do you need? Well, I need about 120 bucks. When a drug dealer asks you for 120 bucks, you have conflict of if you want to give him that. And I like, you know, I'm in with grace with God. I felt like God was like, give him money. And I didn't have the money on me, so I gave him my number. And let me tell you, when I gave him my number, I knew that meant you are going to be a part of my life now. And honestly, if I'm being really honest, I was like, do I really want to give him my number and have to sacrifice the rest of my day when he calls? And I just felt like, you know what? I'm going to give you my number. This is a highlight of my life. I have low lights, but this is a highlight. And so he gets out of my car, and sure enough, three hours later, I go and we're spending time with Jenna back at our house. I find out, you know where Jenna was praying? She was praying around the jail. And she was praying that when people left the jail with her group, that they would run into people of God and that they would find God through the people they run into. So this is only God, right? And I really believe this. I've thought about this story. I didn't say this before. I really believe this. I believe I heard, we went back and talked to this guy. I'll get to that in a second. But he said he was walking up the hill thinking about committing suicide and taking his life and said to God, I don't even know if you're real. If you're real, you need to show me. And I believe God heard that prayer and I'm over here walking and I say, God, I want to talk to someone. (laughs) He said, let's connect those two guys, right? That God's really looking for available people, not experts, but people that are just available to love, to see people the way God sees people. And so this guy calls me, hey man, of course he called me. Hey, can you bring the money? (laughs) Yeah, bro, I'll bring the money, right? (laughs) And so I drive to this this guy's house. I pick up my buddy, Joe Reynolds. He comes with me. We get to this guy's house, and on the way, I don't know what to say. What do you say to this guy, you know? And so I, I, you know, I'm in relationship with God, and I'm like, God, what do you think, what, what would you say to this guy? And I have this picture in my head that I didn't know if I was making up or it was God, and I felt like God gave me a picture of this guy in heaven with him. And the guy said to Jesus in heaven, he said, why didn't you ever send anyone to tell me you were real? And Jesus said, I did. Remember those people you ran into that one day that you talked to? And you think I'm destroying your life, but the decisions you are making are destroying your life. And I felt like God said, tell him that. (laughs) I I don't know if that's going to work, but okay. So we go find this guy. He comes out of the car. He's with one of his other buddies. Other dudes, like skinhead dudes, swastikas on him, right? And we're in front of his car, and I'm like, this guy's just got to get in my car. Because Jesus is going to get him if he gets in my car. And so we start talking. This guy finally ends up in my car. And he's talking for a little bit. We're listening to him. And I feel like the Lord's like, tell him what I want you to tell him. So I turn around and I shared my testimony about how in my dorm room, the love of God filled my life, changed my life forever. And I told him, God, he sent us here today for you, man. And you think your life's falling apart. I told him exactly what I felt like God wanted me to say. And I could feel my whole car shift. It was like the power of the spirit of God just filled my heart. And once again, this dude is broken sobbing once again. Drug dealer in the back of my car. Society's kicked him out. No one wants anyone, anything to do with them. It's kind of like in that video. No one wants anything to do with the elderly. But you know who wants something to do with them? Jesus. And you know how they're going to know that? By the followers of Jesus living a life that is Jesus-like on this earth. And so this dude's getting impacted and the love of God is overwhelming him. And we lead him in a prayer of surrender and salvation and he gives his life to Jesus right on the spot. 
That's who our God is. That's the love of God. It's the love of God that could crash into my dorm room when I'm 20 years old with my love tank going everywhere in the world. And maybe party and maybe this girl, maybe it's sports. Crashes into my dorm room, changes my whole life. That's who our God is. Our God's the one that runs after the elderly people on the roads that no one else cares about. That's who our God is. Our God is the God that sees the drug dealer who just got out of the jail. And his love has never failed. His love has never lost a battle. And if you're looking, I'll tell you what, if you're looking for life change, if you're looking for hope, if you're looking for the God who loves radically and unconditionally and sacrificially, that right now in this room, you're here tonight to be reminded, maybe for the first time or maybe for the 100th time, but we serve the God of radical love. We serve the God whose love breaks addiction. We serve the love of God that changes legacy. We serve Jesus who resurrects his dead things. We serve Jesus that makes broken things beautiful. That is our God. And as a church, right? Man, what God is calling us to do and what he's saying today is he's saying, Kensington, Orion, I'm calling you to love this holiday season, to get away from all the distractions and come and hide away with me and be filled so radically with the love of God through his word and through the scripture and just making time for him that everyone you interact with, can you imagine this this room was so arrested by the love of God? Everywhere we go, people would know that Jesus is real. How? How does it say in scripture? How will they know? Because of the way we love Because of the way we love, they will know God is real. And so I would challenge some of you as we end tonight. For some of you, God's saying, come and be away with me. Remember my love and give it to all the world. I was trying to live my message. I drove over here. This guy was walking with his groceries and nothing happened. But I drove by him and felt like God was like, you just preach this all day. I went up to him and I said, hey man, do you need a ride anywhere? He didn't need a ride, but I told him Jesus loved him and I came over here trying to live this out a little bit. And I'll tell you what, we're going to end today singing a song and it's going to be a prayer that we would see people the way God sees people. But I know there's some of you in here right now that, man, you might have the perfect life on paper, but you're empty inside and that love tank is so low. And Jesus is calling you right now to him. Maybe some of you in here right now that, man, maybe you're going through a divorce or your parents are going through a divorce and your whole life is falling apart. And God brought you here tonight because he wanted to remind you that he sees you and he loves you and he has a purpose for your life. You watch that video in India, man, I want to get so possessed by the love of God that that whole nation starts to shift. That's what's going on here, Right? Men and women that have been so overwhelmed by the love of God that all of Metro Detroit's starting to be shifted. Man, don't you want your life to have deeper purpose than just waking up every day, right? That you'd be a part of something eternal, something glorious, something divine. And so I'll say for some of you, man, God is calling you right now. That he wants to make your past new. He wants to forgive your sins. He wants to make you a new creation. He wants to say, hey, get rid of the past because I have a glorious future for you. 
And so I'd love to end the day before we sing. If you guys would stand with me. But I'm just gonna give a time for, for people for the first time, man. If you're here tonight and you know God's doing something in your heart right now and you have to respond and because what Jesus is saying is Holy Spirit's moving on your life and he's saying, hey, it's time to come home. And he's calling you. He's saying, come follow me. Come be a part of the life I have for you. The answer is Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life, the answer is Jesus. So if you guys would, just bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to give some people a chance for your first time. If you would right now, if that's you and Jesus is saying, I'm calling you and you're saying, yeah, I want to respond to that. I need Jesus in my life. On three, would you just raise your hand with me? One, two, three. Yeah, that's so awesome. That's so beautiful, man. It says, all of heaven rejoices over the sons and daughters of God coming to him. And I just want to give a choice. Some of you, you're like, man, I've been distant. If that's you and you're just saying, God, I want to come back to you today, why don't you just raise your hand right now? One, two, three. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I'm just going to pray for you guys. We're going to sing two songs of amazing, amazing worship to Jesus and just spend some time positioning our lives under the love of God. But all you that raised your hand, whether it was a first time or a recommitment time, why don't you just raise your hands again? Because I want to pray over you. Just put your hands up. God, you see every hand. God, in every hand is, is a reflection of a heart, Jesus. You say if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved, God. And I pray for those hands that are up right now, God. Fill them with your love, Jesus. Fill their hearts with your love. I pray that broken hearts right now, God, would be healed, God. That in the deepest places of people's hearts where there is dryness, where there is brokenness, where there is darkness, God, let there be light. Let there be renewal. Let there be restoration, Jesus. Breathe over this room right now, God. Your love, God. Let us receive your love. Deposit your love over each and every heart in this room, God, that as we leave here tonight, God, we couldn't see the world the same, God. I pray that people right now, God, you give them visions in their mind, God, of things you have set apart for them for their life, God, that you would remind people of the calling and the destinies on their lives right now, Father God, that you remind things even in people's lives when they were younger that you call them into, that they've walked away through, God. Remind them of those things right now, Jesus, and fill us with your power, with your grace, and with your mercy, God, because we have nothing to give if it's not from you, Jesus. So fill us with your love, Jesus. Protect this room. Bless this room. Put your favor on this room, and let us be sold out followers and lovers of Jesus Christ. In the mighty name of the Most High, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
This next one we're going to be doing is, is one we're going to be singing at Christmas, so we really want you guys to learn it, sing it out with us. So let's do it.
You know, I was thinking as we just sang, Oh, come let us adore him, which we'll sing again in a few days on Christmas Eve. I thought, man, I, I hope for me and for you, that's something we do daily. So I think so often in the church, it's easy to think the way I get filled up by God is I go to a one-hour service and get my filling, and then I'm good. And let me ask you, does that last? Maybe by the time you get to the parking lot, it's gone. You know, it's, that's because, like Cody said, we've got to position ourselves and let God. And I know it came out of that Gatorade thing slow, but sometimes it's just sort of like that. It's just constant. And the only way it's constant is if we position ourselves to be there. And so I, I encourage you, invite you, I challenge you, starting today and tomorrow and through this week, do this. Take five or ten minutes this, every day this week and adore him. How do you do that? Open the word of God that reveals who he is and just read it. If you want something to read this week, I'll tell you what to read. It's real simple. Read the Christmas story. It's found in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read it to you Friday night and this weekend. So just read it tonight before you go to sleep. Read it tomorrow. Read it Wednesday, Thursday. Read the same story over and over and say, God, show me you. I want to adore you. I'm going to see you. And when you come here for the Christmas Eve service, you won't be hearing something new. You'll be like, I've been reading this all week, and God has been pouring his love into me, and I'm, I'm able to go through this season with something I didn't have before, and it's called the love of God who fills us and then overflows through us to love others. All right, you in? You in for the challenge? It's a beautiful thing to do. So just spend some time, just a few minutes a day, saying, I want to adore you. Instead of just singing a song, let's do it and watch him transform us so that we can love God and love others. And let me say, if you raised your hand and you said, man, tonight's the night I'm going to give my life to Jesus, and you're like, what's my next step? I'll tell you right now, your next step is go right out in the lobby. There's uh, some people out there, and they have shirts on that say starting point. It's a real creative name we came up with. That's where you start. You want to point to start, start a starting point. So go out there and say, man, I, I want to know what my next step is, and They'll help you take the next step and even give you a Christmas gift. All right, if you need to pray with somebody, our prayer team be right here right now. We'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, we'll see you this weekend, either Friday or Saturday or Sunday. And again, bring somebody, grab some invites, invite some people, and watch God do something amazing. God bless you. See you.